0: A lot of people don't like driving late at night, but for others it's essential. Some people enjoy being able to take their usual route without excessive traffic or other road users holding them up. Some people have to drive miles in the dark every day, but some only have a short way to go before they get home. This was the case with the young woman we'll be talking about today as she only had 7 minutes left in her journey before her car broke down. But. By the time help arrived, she had vanished. Let's uncover the unsolved disappearance of Robin Graham. Hello, and welcome to the 40th episode of Uncover True Crime Podcast. My name is Stephanie, and each week we uncover a different unsolved true crime case, ranging from unsolved murders, missing persons, Jane and John Doe's, and suspicious deaths. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, and other podcast streaming apps, as well as on YouTube by searching Uncover True Crime. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Uncover underscore pod, on Instagram at Uncover True crime pod, or you can join the Uncover True Crime discussion group on Facebook. Before we get into today's case, I want to talk to you about Audible, who is very kindly sponsoring this episode. Besides being the one-woman show behind this podcast, I have a young child, a full-time job... And I'm working on my degree. As you can imagine, I am a very busy lady and I very rarely have the time or energy to sit down and read, even though I am a massive bookworm. That's why I love Audible. Audible is an audiobook membership service and they have the biggest library of books that you could wish for. They have so many different genres and titles and there really is something for everyone. You can download the app for free onto your smartphone or tablet and save all of your audiobooks into your library which can be accessed even if you're offline. I love Audible because I can listen to my audiobooks anytime, anywhere, which is so convenient. One of my favourite audiobooks in my Audible library is Lost Girls by Richard Coker. Lost Girls is a true crime book all about the Long Island serial killer and it is not only very well written but it is very victim focused and provides so much information on the victims and their families so I would highly, highly recommend it. When you sign up for an Audible membership, you will receive one credit a month which you can use to buy any audiobook of your choosing and you can also buy more books on top of that if you wish. You will also receive two credits for the Audible original titles, which gives you even more to choose from. You can start your Audible membership now with one month free trial when you use the code UNCOVER, that's U-N-C-O-V-E-R, or follow the link in the description below. But without any further ado, let's uncover the unsolved disappearance of Robin Graham. Robin Ann Graham was born on the 22nd of June 1952 to Beverly and Marvin Graham, and they lived on Lamont Street in Los Angeles, California. In 1970, Robin had just graduated from John Marshall High School and started studying at Pierce College, while also working part-time at a home decor shop called Pier 1 Imports. I wish I could tell you more about Robin and who she was as a person, but she barely made it into adulthood before she disappeared. Robin was 18 years old when she was last seen on the 14th of November 1970. That night, she left her car outside her work and started driving home in her boyfriend's car. Now, I don't know exactly why she wasn't in her own car, but the most logical explanation is that her car had broken down and her boyfriend lent her his vehicle, but I couldn't confirm this and to be honest, it's not really relevant to her case. I don't know what time she left her work and started heading home, but at 2am the car stalled on the Hollywood freeway near Santa Monica Boulevard and Vermont Avenue, so she walked to the nearby emergency call box on the side of the freeway to call her parents. Her sister answered the phone and After Robin explained the situation, her sister woke up her parents, who left to pick Robin up. Meanwhile, Robin started talking to a highway patrolman while she was standing near her car. She informed him of what had happened and said that she'd already called her parents and someone would be out to help her soon. Content that she was not in need of assistance, he left. But a short time later, the same highway patrolman saw Robin talking to a man who had parked his 1958 to 1960 blue Corvette behind her boyfriend's car. The highway patrolman assumed that it was the person that she'd been waiting for to give her a lift home and thought. no more of it until her parents reported her missing after finding her car locked and abandoned on the freeway just 10 minutes after Robin had made the call. He was wearing a white turtleneck and bell-bottomed jeans. He is also the last person known to have seen Robin alive and she has never been seen since. Understandably, the highway patrolman has come under a lot of criticism for not staying with Robin or at least checking who the man he saw with her was. However, he claims there was no reason to think she was in danger as she did not seem uncomfortable and willingly got into his vehicle. He said he had no reason to believe that the man wasn't the person who Robin said was coming to pick her up and in my opinion, it is possible that Robin knew this man. Why would she reject help from a patrolman but accept a right from a total stranger. Given it was two o'clock in the morning, I think there are two likely scenarios. One, someone was following her when they saw her stall the car and decided to circle back rounds to make it look like they just happened to be passing. They offered her a lift, which she accepted, and then he harmed her in some way once she was in the car. Or two, it really was a crime of opportunity and someone in the area looking for a victim happened across Robin. The second scenario doesn't explain why she got into the car, but it does line up with a similar incident that happened just hours earlier on that same freeway. After reading about Robin's case in the LA Times newspaper, a woman called Robin's parents and said that a similar looking man approached her that night on that same freeway after her car broke down. The man claimed to be an off-duty police officer and offered her a lift home, but she refused. It has never been confirmed if this man was the same person seen talking to Robin that night, but this woman was able to identify the man who offered her help. That leads us into our theories, which as as always, are pure speculation. The woman on the highway said it was a man called Bruce Davis who offered to help her that night. I don't know if she picked him up from a bunch of mug shots without knowing his name, or if she recognised him from the news but Bruce was very well known to police. See, he was part of the infamous Manson family cult who were active in Los Angeles at this time. I'm sure you have all heard of the Mansons, so I'm not going to go into detail of their crimes because that would need its own episode, but I do think this is a very interesting theory. Bruce Davis was not present for the cult's more well-known crimes, such as the murder of Sharon Tate, but he was convicted of killing Gary Hinman and Donald Shea, both of whom were killed in 1969. Donald Shea lived on the same ranch as the Mansons, but refused to join the cult and even reported them to the police, which resulted in the ranch being raided. Gary Hinman was friends with several members of the cult, and it is thought he was killed either over a drug dispute or because he refused to join the cult. Bruce handed himself into police just two weeks after Robin went missing, and while these murders don't seem to be similar to her case at all, we still don't know the full extent of Bruce's involvement in the murders orchestrated by Charles Manson, or if he committed any other murders that we don't know about. Because of this and the violent nature of the crimes he has committed, he remains in prison to this day. Despite the fact that the parole board has recommended he be released on parole five times, the recommendation has always been denied by the California governor, who claims he is still a danger to society. The second theory is that Robin was a victim of the Zodiac Killer, another serial killer active in California at the time. Again, this case would need an entire episode of its own, and I'm sure most people have heard of the Zodiac Killer. But just in case you haven't, I'm going to give you a very, very quick rundown. He was a serial killer who is confirmed to have killed five people in California between 1968 and 1969, and in cryptic letters he sent to the media and police. He claims to have killed upwards of 35 people. While Robin Graham's name doesn't come up a lot in relation to the Zodiac's other possible victims, her case is very similar to one that does. On the 22nd of March 1978, Kathleen Jones and her 10-month-old daughter were on their way home after visiting Kathleen's mother when another car started flashing its headlights at her. She pulled over to see what was wrong and a man came out of the car and said that her rear tyre was wobbling, so he offered to fix. Instead, he loosened it so that when Kathleen went to drive off, the wheel came off completely. The man offered her a lift, which she accepted, but after she got into the car, the man held her hostage for two hours, driving down numerous back streets and quiet roads. He also made threats to her by saying things like, quote, before I kill you, I'm going to throw your baby out the window, unquote, and, quote, you know you're going to die, unquote. She did manage to escape and thankfully she and her daughter were physically unharmed. She was able to get the attention of a passerby and was taken to the police station and reportedly became hysterical when she saw a sketch of the Zodiac killer in the precinct and she was adamant that that was the man who had kidnapped her. Police were able to find her car exactly where she had left it, but someone had torched it and the car was completely burnt out. While it's possible these cases are connected, the police have never confirmed this. The car that Robin was driving was not set on fire like Kathleen's was and there really is nothing connecting these two cases other than speculation and possible coincidences. People are very quick to attribute every unsolved murder and disappearance that happened in California in the 60s to the Zodiac Killer but sadly there are several people in California who are capable of crimes like these, not just one. People have speculated that her case is linked to other missing and murdered women who met a tragic or unknown fate after running into car trouble, but as several women have gone missing under these circumstances, it's hard to tell what ones, if any, are related to her case. As I mentioned earlier, I think it's very possible she knew the man she left the highway with, and personally, it seems most likely because I doubt she would have refused help from a patrolman, but be okay with hitchhiking from from a total stranger. Did she call someone else at the emergency phone just before or just after she spoke to her sister? Did someone follow her home from work with sinister intentions or did they just happen to see her and take advantage of the situation? We just don't know and might not ever know unless she is found or someone comes forward with answers. Robin's case didn't receive a lot of media attention, but it did change policies within California Highway Patrol, as all officers are now to stay with unaccompanied persons who find themselves stranded on the side of the freeway. While it shouldn't have taken a young girl going missing for the Highway Patrol to get its acts together, I have no doubt that this change in policy has probably saved several lives over the years. Robin's childhood friend, Al Madrado, has never forgotten about her and Put a small message in the local paper that read quote, Dearest Robin, you ran out of gas on the Hollywood freeway. A man in a corvette pulled over to help. You haven't been seen of since. It's been 17 years, but it's always just yesterday. Still looking for you. The Echo Park Ducks. Unquote. He explained why he wrote this, saying, quote, Well, it occurred to me that November 15 fell on the same day this year as it did in 1970, so I just wanted to show she wasn't forgotten. She and I were both from Echo Park, and the Echo Park Ducks was a group of our friends back then. I just wanted to make it from all of us. Unquote. Robin Ann Graham was last seen around 2am on the Hollywood Freeway near Santa Monica Boulevard and Vermont Avenue on the 15th of November 1970. She was a white female with brown hair, brown eyes, stood at 5 foot 6 inches tall and weighed 125 pounds. She was last seen wearing a red blouse, a dark blue corduroy jacket, blue jeans, red clog shoes and a leather bag. She was 18 years old when she disappeared and if a Today, she would be 68. If you're watching this on YouTube, on your screens now is an age progression of what she may have looked like in adulthood. If you have any information on Robin's disappearance or her current whereabouts, please call the LAPD on 213-996-1800 and quote the case number DR70687411. All photos and sources related to today's case can be found on our website, Uncover True Crime Uk. That's everything I have for you today. Thank you for listening till the very end. Please stay safe and have a good night.